welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris, how you doing? All right, Rachel, how are you? I'm good. What did we do yesterday? We did something really fun yesterday. We did something for the first time yesterday, which was a Talking With Tech Live experience. So do you want to talk about it? It was so fun. I like, I'm still like, you know, that like energy you get after you like do something really awesome. Like that was me. I woke up this morning and I was like, whoa, like that was really cool. For you guys who don't know, um, who weren't there, we, Chris and I came together and we did a session where we basically, we we did a little bit of pre-teaching about, you know, fundamentals of AAC, presuming potential, snug, all of the things that it's that's important for everybody to know. But then what we did is we opened up to the audience and it was an interactive session where we basically asked people to submit questions in a shared Google sheet. And then we just started going through and we started answering them, but it wasn't Chris and I answering them. It was collectively answering. So people would come on you know, with their microphone or their video or both and give potential solutions and strategies for questions that people had about various things. Um, so it was super engaging. It, it flew by. We, the, the session was an hour and a half. And honestly, I felt like I could have done it all day. Like, I don't know if you felt like that, Chris, but I was like, whoa, like I could keep going because it was just like such a high energy. And it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't like the normal presentations that we give, Chris. No, it was totally crowdsourced, and it, it was um, the Google form was really easy. It was like one or two questions. Oh, it really, it was just like one question. Like, what's your question, <laughs> right? Uh, and then we we didn't really have much of a slide deck because the entire presentation was us kind of just reading a question and kind of throwing it out. And we did, of course, because it's you and I. Gave, we, we gave our input, right? We answered the questions too, but it, was, it wasn't like the Chris and Rachel answer hour. It was the Chris and Rachel ask the questions and we all answer it together hour. <laughs> uh, I guess it was actually longer than an hour, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just this great, I, I felt the same way that there was this buzz about it. And this was for this, the first time we did it, it was for the state of New Jersey. So the New Jersey Assistive Technology services, I think that's what it's called, NJATS is what it's called, N-J-A-T-S. And uh, Mike Murata puts it on and um, he invited us to do a session and we said, what about this, you know? And if you've heard of Mike Murata at all, he is, uh, Mike Murata does, um, helps facilitate ed camps. And this is very much a ed camp style sort of thing where it isn't like one person presenting. It is, again, a crowd shared discussion. Um, And it was just such a rich discussion about very pertinent topics. I mean, what, what were some of the questions that came up, Rachel? One was actually about uh, AAC for eye gaze users via virtual learning and telepractice, which is kind of ties into our interview today. Um, but that was a really great one. And that was my favorite, Chris, because what happened was um, someone came on and you know asked the question. And then another person came on and was like, I have a, a an AAC eye gaze user that's very similar, it sounds like, to you know the student you're working with. Um, and so they both collaborated with one another and had a really awesome discussion that we were kind of flies on the wall. I feel like at that point, Chris, um, just watching them collaborate with each other. And it was just like, it was so great. It was so magical. I loved that. That was my favorite, my favorite part. I mean, there was amazing discussions about coaching strategies and getting team buy-in and, you know, all of these other areas where we kind of struggle, um, you know, in the field with these roadblocks, we all have very similar pain points and struggles and roadblocks in our practice. And it was awesome because 
because, you know, some of the solutions I would have never thought of. And I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I like one of the questions, I think it's a big, very hot topic is how do you help facilitate the conversation with BCBAs and those two different practices uh, and how we can help teach language and bring ourselves together. And so there was a crowdsourced answer where everyone was giving their perspectives and giving their um, what strategies they've used to facilitate those conversations. And it was just it was it was like off the charts awesome. Yeah, no, it really was. And the other thing I loved about it was so essentially you submit a form with a question and then we gave you access to the responses and people were able to type in real time answers to those solutions. So not only were we getting people to come on the mic and discuss strategies and solutions and tools, but also, simultaneously, everyone else in the audience was filling in this spreadsheet with answers and links to resources, and it's it's a document now that people have access to, so it's kind of documented the entire session in a way that's really useful and practical to, you know, us clinicians in the field who need those tools. They, they forget, like, they're like, oh, they talked about this website. You know, you have a document that you can go back to and refer to, um, you know, and, and I actually, after the session, Chris was going in and I was filling in some more answers um, to some of the questions that we get, didn't get to because unfortunately we had a lot of questions and we weren't able to get to all of them. But don't you worry, we're going to try to answer those, you know, on the podcast, um, you know, slowly but surely. And I'm really excited because we have a few more of these booked for this fall, Chris. We do. The very next one coming up is in November, and it's at the Access to Education Conference, which was supposed to be live in Indiana, but now it's, you know, of course, virtual. And, you know, I've been going to this conference. In fact, we already have an episode from the last year when I, there was an episode where it was Kelly Fawner and Darla Ashton and a couple other people participated in a group conversation with me about uh, coding and robots. That's this conference again in a virtual format, and it's open to the public. So um, I think it's, uh, you know, anyone can, it's not just people in Indiana. I think anyone can register for that conference and attend. So if this sounds something like it's something interesting that you'd like to be a participant in, you can. You can. We can put all the information in the show notes of this episode. The other thing that's really important to tell everyone is that even if you weren't able to be there, you're going to hear it because the whole point of Talking With Tech Live is it's a recorded live podcast episode. So we're going to be airing portions of the session that we had on the podcast. So you'll get to hear the solutions. Obviously, we there were a lot of solutions that we didn't get to, to talk about in the spreadsheet that we had people filling out, but we had a very rich uh, live discussion about you know, strategies and solutions to some of people's questions. So we're really excited to start airing those on the podcast so we can share them with everyone. Awesome. So now one of the things that came out of that, uh, particularly, you had mentioned the the conversation about eye gaze, right? And um, you had said, well, you know what? I actually just interviewed somebody that uh, we talked about eye gaze. And we right there in the moment, we decided, hey, why don't we move that up in the in the release schedule? Because it seems to be something that people are struggling with right now. I know I've, I've heard about it before, where how do you teach someone to and how do you model eye gaze? in this distance learning environment, right? And so, and you had just done an interview on it. So you want to tell us about your interview? Yes. So I interviewed Kaylee Gustafson. She is actually in Southern California, which is awesome. Um, Her and I have been uh, friends on social media for a while. And I was posting 
about uh, assessment actually, because I'm in the process of creating a course, a two-hour course for virtual AAC assessment. Um, so I was kind of crowdsourcing some pain points that people are finding when they're doing uh, assessments generally via telepractice, but also specific to AAC if they're doing trialing and things like that virtually. And Kaylee and I started talking and she was like, I have been doing a lot of work with eye gaze. And I'm like, wow, like you're speaking to me right now because I feel like that's an area one where I don't have a ton of clients that I'm getting who are eye gaze users. Um, so I just am not as practiced and experienced in that area. Um, and two, like to wrap my head around how that can happen virtually um, felt like a lot. So Kaylee was nice enough to come um, on the podcast and give us all of her tools and strategies and you know explain how you can set up a eye gaze device to be a participant in the meeting so that um, you're able to then be so that you're able to see what a um, user is selecting um, and lots of other strategies, tools, websites, all really user-friendly for eye gaze and eye tracking. Um, so I'm really excited to share this interview because she just has so many tricks up her sleeve. And I definitely think it's an area where a lot of clinicians feel like they're struggling. Um, I think eye gaze in general people feel daunted by and are struggling and that was in person. And now we're like moving everything virtually and people were like, I don't even know where to start. So don't you worry. We got you covered. Uh, this interview with Kaylee will give you, you know, at least the foundational things to think about um, and to start trying in your practice to really help our eye gaze kiddos. Awesome. So without further ado, let's listen to Rachel's interview with Kaylee Gustafson. Here at Talking With Tech, we're excited to partner with Smiles for Speech. This organization provides children with special needs living in impoverished communities the intervention and resources needed to help children reach their full potential. Smiles for Speech aims to provide long-term sustainable solutions for children worldwide. Their mission is to distribute educational materials, provide training to teachers and families without access to appropriate intervention, and to create global awareness on the importance of therapeutic services to support children in need. With your help, Smiles for Speech will continue to broaden their reach in assisting children living in disadvantaged communities gain access to the therapy services and education they need to thrive. To support this organization, you can sign up for their upcoming Dyslexia Workshop that will highlight the diagnosis gap present among black learners. This workshop will be on October 10th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time. To RSVP, go to sfsvirtual at smilesforspeech.org. That's sfsvirtual at smilesforspeech.org. Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Mado, joined today by Kaylee Gustafson. Kaylee, how are you today? Good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you here. Can you just start off by introducing yourself and telling our audience a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah. So um, I'm Kaylee, and I'm a speech therapist, and I work in a school district in Southern California um, as a AAC specialist, and I've really gotten into eye gaze somehow. So, Kaylee, you and I were talking 
via Instagram because I had posted kind of to everybody, listen, I'm creating a course on virtual AAC assessment. What are some of the roadblocks, challenges? What are questions that you guys are coming up with? And we sparked a conversation about AAC assessment virtually. And you started talking all about eye tracking. And as many of our listeners know, because I've already said this multiple times (laughs) on the podcast, I'm not great with eye tracking. Um, I have some experience, but definitely not a ton. And you agreed to come on and talk with me today about the kind of hacks and tools and strategies that you're utilizing specifically for eye gaze during virtual learning. So can you just start off by like talking a little bit about what your experience has been? Yes. So um, just in general, the experience in the beginning, it was trying to figure out what systems were able to get that remote control access. Mm-hmm. So just on the top of my head, PRC, you can get that remote control access via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Toby Dynavox with Snap and Core, but not Communicator 5. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the beginning point for me in this whole experience. Just how can I get and model with my students? Okay, so when you're saying modeling remotely, can, yes. we, can you, for people who maybe don't know what that means, yeah. can you go into a little bit of detail about what that looks yes. like? Yes, okay, so what does that look like? Basically, a little step-by-step guide. You need to have, you both need to have Zoom. It will not work on Google Meet because Google Meet, you can't remote control, so. Which is unfortunate for a lot of people. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe it'll come out, uh, but who knows? So Zoom, you have to. They log in to the Zoom meeting on their device or Mm -hmm. like, let's just say the trial device. Okay. So basically what you're saying is for your student who has an eye tracking system, you can then have them join the meeting with their system. So that their system is a participant in the meeting. Yes. Correct? And then you screen share as that participant. I have them screen share their screen to me. And then I, as the therapist educator, request remote control. Mm -hmm. The parent or family member, whoever, accepts. And then I'm in. So I can do whatever I want on the device and they can see my cursor. I can see their eye gaze, um, which we can talk about settings and because depending on your device settings, you might not see their gaze. So we would have to turn that on Mm -hmm. um, to either like a dwell where it's red or pick Mm -hmm. a color. That way you can see where they're looking and then um, see how they're following your model. Okay, so you are able to then program and do the things that you need to do with their eye tracking system all virtually. Yes. Um, Yeah. Which is awesome because (laughs) I don't think a lot of people realize that. I don't think a lot of people understand that that they have that capacity. Um, So it's, it's pretty straightforward. You just join the meeting as a participant through the device and then you, they have to screen share. And then also I think it's worth noting, or at least me asking, they probably have to share their audio. Correct. They have to share. It's called Um, share computer sound. You know what? You're right. But I have overlooked that. 
I actually realized this today. Um, I was talking with a colleague of mine who is trying to troubleshoot how she can hear the audio quality better with her student's device. And she's like, can I connect them? I was like, yes, they can join as a participant, but then they would have to share their computer audio um, or sh it's called share computer sound is the setting on Zoom. Um, and that way you'd be able to then hear the computer or the device um, the same way if you were sharing YouTube and you were watching a video that you'd be able to share the computer sound. Um, so I'm really interested to see if that, I mean, you probably can hear the audio anyway. Yeah, but you're, you're right. It would be better. Yeah. Because of what so, I'm hearing is the external speaker. <laughs> exactly. So then it would just kind of be streaming directly to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you'll have to report back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the thing is like, we're all discovering these things. Like, I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've been on like a Facebook group or like seeing some type of social media post. And I'm like, wow, I've been doing this for six months. And I, I never thought of that. Um, it's like the smallest little things that can make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's like the podcast and the, the presentations and the webinars and all these things that we're doing can be really helpful to just like inform our practice because we're all trying to figure it out as we go along. So tell me a little bit more about the yes. tricks and tips that you've learned. Yes. So now we know how to connect an eye tracking system and you can get remote access. So you can start programming, which is a huge game changer because a lot of the problems that clinicians are facing right now is like if I want to change and reprogram or hide Ooh. or mask vocabulary, then I have to like coach a communication partner through it, which in and of itself is a good thing to teach communication partners how to do these things. But sometimes you just want like quick access to change something right away um, instead of having to go through the whole process of, you know, coaching somebody through that. I have a couple things with that. With Snap Plus Core, you can remotely edit. So you don't even have to be on the call with the student. With PRC or Unity system, Blamp Words for Life, if it's not the iPad, um, but the actual like iGaze system, then you could remote in via Zoom to do the editing. But then also what we do in our district is we have backups of everybody's software. So then if like a parent emails or a teacher emails, they want this or that, then we just edit from our house. We have the backup on our computers and then we do a um, no contact delivery where it's either like at the front office and we just bring our computer there in their car and then we hook up to our like iTunes and then transfer the file. So that's been really cool. And that is glad awesome. that we have that backup. <laughs> yeah. And so that's only possible with the dedicated devices through PRC and no, no, no. no. So we do, do that for all, like just speaking outside of iGaze for all of our like iPad users or other dedicated devices. We have theirs too. Gotcha. Okay. So you're backing up systems or you have the backup of the yeah. systems and then you're able to program remotely. And then, how, so how do you transfer it to the, the student's device? Do you have to have them drop it off? And Yeah. Contact? So okay. they, gotcha. on the day that the, like, the vocab is done, they'll bring the device to the office, go back to the car, I'll hook it up to the computer. So it really only takes like five minutes and mm -hmm. then they're, they're on their way. Right. Which is nice because yeah. it never, it used to be like, I remember like having clients come and like sit in my waiting room. While I was like, hold on, let me just do a few more things. So now I feel like the, all of the companies have kind of 
got their act together a little bit. And now we have some capacity to do more seamless programming. Um, I do think it would be really nice if we kind of had remote access to our students systems. And I know some of the, some of the companies are, you know, starting to think through that lens. Um, There's different capacities for different apps and systems, but I'm hoping that this telepractice shift has uh, inspired a lot of the other companies to start figuring out ways that we're able to program remotely. What else? What else you got for me, Kaylee? You wanted tips and tricks. I sure do. I want all the tips and tricks. (laughs) Um, We'll start maybe with device settings first. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then move into more of like materials. Great. Okay. So device settings, I usually turn on feedback, button feedback. Mm -hmm. So either it like lights up and that's just for me personally, but then it also helps the user know that they selected it like even outside of COVID and social distancing. So for, so for people who aren't as familiar with eye tracking, what is feedback? Okay. So feedback, hmm, what is feedback? So it could be a color um, that highlights, maybe it's an inverse color so that when the user selects it, they know that they selected it. Mm -hmm. Um, It just is really helpful to know down the line when maybe they're using a keyboard and they they're spelling, but it's not clicking. And then they have to look up to look to see what they spelled, but then they hit another button. So mm-hmm. the we use feedback via touch with our keyboard. So it's important to have those same features um, when we're teaching our users with AAC. You could also have auditory feedback, which is like a little button click. I definitely turn those on unless for another, maybe the user finds it annoying, but most of the time I have the auditory little click um, so they know that they accessed it and then the, the visual cue. Right, so this is just visual feedback. I'm looking at this icon or word or whatever it is and I've now selected it. It's some type of shift that happens so visually you're able to see, both the user is able to see they've activated an icon or a button and you as the clinician are able to see what they've activated. Yes. Um, which which I've actually been doing a little bit with my direct select uh, clients using, um, there's an accessibility feature for iOS at least um, where you're able to have like a little, it looks kind oh. of like a a dart board. Um, So that's really nice because I'm able to model um, and kids are then able to see me model because part of the problem with modeling is like, sure, I can stream my device, but children can't see what word I'm hitting. Uh, Kind of defeats the purpose in some ways. There's lots of kind of hacks around that. um, And I've definitely been using that uh, guided access feature. Um, It's called assistive touch. Yeah. Um, So we can definitely link to that in the show notes because I'm sure everyone's going to be like, what is that? (laughs) I knew about it before COVID, but then... I remembered it, you know, five months in. I know, right? I was like, <laughs> I, I, I have to tell you, I like, I definitely knew about it and I was racking my brain. I did a webinar for Cough Drop right when everything hit on oh, yeah. the AC telepractice. And I was like, oh my God, how are people going to see? I was like brainstorming, how are people going to see my finger while I'm modeling? And then like, I, you know, five hours later down a rabbit hole, I was like, oh, <laughs> assistant <touch." laughs> All right. Um, so what are you showing me here? Okay. So you mentioned modeling. So I'm going to, I'm going to go off of that for a tip. Um, I like Great. using annotate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just circle the word mm-hmm. that we're working on and that's in zoom. So there's um, up at the top little menu bar. There's a little 
pen feature and then you click it um, and there's different ways you can draw but I like the thick highlighter one and then I okay. usually do red I don't know preference mm -hmm. I, do, um, I do red as well like, <laughs> this is like gonna stand out the most yeah yeah and either I'll circle one or or I'll circle like two okay are we gonna are we gonna go we're we gonna stop gotcha. do you want some more are we gonna do different um, that's usually after I've already presented the items and then there was no response mm -hmm. so just another way to model without being there physically amazing what else you got for me I'm really right. intrigued. So is this a presentation <laughs> that you show to your staff? Yeah. Amazing. I know we're all kind of trying frantically to train everybody yeah. on like how we can do this, especially with our kids, because some people are like, oh, they're not a good candidate for telepractice. Oh, so yeah. it's like, oh, like baloney. Everyone can benefit from telepractice. It just might look a little different. Yes. All right. Well, we've been talking about high tech. Mm -hmm. We can talk about low tech. Let's do it. I think right. that's one thing where it feels more doable for some clinicians. They're like, okay, like I don't really know how to like plug all these wires in, but low tech is something that's a kind of low hanging fruit that is easy to send, easy to start right away. I know a lot of kids are waiting for AAC assessments and that's something that I'm really recommending a lot of clinicians start right off the bat is like send a communication board or some type of visuals um, to just get parents used to using something you know, to support communication, um, you know, eventually we can get to the high tech, but at least give kids something who are waiting, um, especially for those assessments. This is a lovely visual. I'm going to yeah. explain to everybody what I'm looking at, yeah. which is basically a, uh, it's a yes, no, we'll call it a board. Um, there's two options and then you have yourself looking in the bottom left-hand corner for yes and the bottom right-hand corner for no. And then of course it'll be inverse, right? When we're looking at someone or the way that someone's looking is going to be inverse, like kind of like a mirror. Um, so this is something that's really easy for, you know, basic communication um, that everybody can do this. It feels like. Are you sharing this on your screen? Or they, is that what they're looking at? On okay, their... so yeah, let me just back up a second. So the yes, no, the student had it right below on their screen, on their side. So parents, gotcha. student had physical cards. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. This was just done with me trying to explain to others. Exactly. This is what you do. Yeah. Let me show you four pictures. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, this is awesome. I love this. Um, and this is something that's really, again, for kids who might be waiting for their system or to trial something um, or in assessment, something that you can start right off the bat. I know when there's some challenges with access issues, um, a lot of people feel very overwhelmed. Like, I don't know what I could possibly do um, in this situation to get communication happening. So that feels like a really low hanging fruit that would be really easy to implement. Let's keep going with the tips okay. and tricks. All right. My favorite, I just, they're not really tips and tricks, but I guess to me, they're not some tricks, but materials, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people are not sure what to do with their eye gaze users yes. uh, once they have them on the screen. Um, I love boom cards because if it's clickable, they can interact with it. Oh, well, that's awesome. So if it's clickable, so, yeah. your eye tracking users can activate it. Yes. Yeah, so 
there is a little like asterisk to that. You okay. need to be able to, um, you need to have Windows control. Most of the trial devices do have it. If you don't know how to do it, ask your rep or um, most of the websites have like a step-by-step, -step, but you go into like, for example, Toby has Windows control on their desktop and you open it up and there's, it says Windows control on the left. And then um, you turn it on and then you actually have to turn it on again. I'm not quite sure why, but um, so in the bottom, quirk. <laughs> in the bottom right, you just right click kind of like over by your like Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. It's like a red eye. This is only for Toby. Um, and you just do enable. So you like can toggle between enabling or disabling. Um, you, you enable the eye tracking and um, with a couple more, I mean, it sounds like a long process, but it's worth it. Um, and once you do it a couple times, it like gets a lot faster. Um, you question. just enable that left click. Yes, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Keep going. I didn't want to interrupt your train of no, thought. No, no, you just, um, the last, my last train of thought was you just um, enable the left click um, because there's a billion other settings you can enable. I usually disable, or at least for my students, we're not on to scrolling and um, zooming because um, sometimes it just gets too junky, especially the zoom. I'm like, whoa, it's yeah. a cool feature, but all of a sudden they're like zooming in on random buttons and you're like, how do we get back? How do we? Exactly. We don't need to be this magnified. No, we don't need to be this close. But um, yeah, the left click um, and the world is at your fingertips. Um, boom is like something I use all the time. Yes. So yes. In order for it to be activated, again, we still have to go through the step of the eye tracking system being a participant in... Correct. The Zoom meeting, correct? Yes, yes. So that's the only way it works. You can't have an eye tracking user who's not connected to their device. It wouldn't work that way, right? Just confirming. They have to be on their device. Yeah. Yes. Because they have to, to have the, the um, tracking bar. Right. Okay, I know. Sometimes it's like you have to like, okay. think through these steps and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm going through the sequence of like plugging it in. Like you have to go through yeah. the like, steps of this to like, yeah. figure out, like the technology. Like, No, it's all good. Okay, perfect. So, but this does work when you have yes. the system set up, which is awesome. Yes. Are there any other like websites that you found yes. are really helpful? Um, more general on? speaking, Google Slides. Um, Great. Amazing. I just created like a, a multiple choice. Um, it's clickable. So I made it clickable by adding sound effects so mm -hmm. that the teacher could hear which one mm -hmm. and it would actually light up to or not light up, give you that feedback. There it is again. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully that will help her with um, more curriculum based um, measurements. Um, and it's I gaze accessible. I have to tell you, I have to share a story. Yeah. Literally right before we hopped on here, I was seeing a kid. And are you familiar with the game Gassy Gary? Yes. Okay. So there's a, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a PowerPoint version of this game mm -hmm. that is clickable with a clickable spinner and like a clickable fart button. And it is so fun. And like, I have to tell you that like my kids have been loving it this week. Um, it's, I think it's by this... I forget what her name is. Um, we'll definitely link I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. She has a lot of really great clickable PowerPoint games. She's basically converted every like fun speech therapy game into a PowerPoint like slide, yes. um, which is so awesome. So this is great to know that eye tracking also works with PowerPoint and also Google Slides. 
Yeah, but you need to um, basically make it a button. Right. Make it act it, like a button. Yeah, so, so give it, it some feedback. Like, gotcha. Okay. Oh, okay. What else we got? Animated shorts. Those are always great. Love animated shorts. I actually have a huge playlist on my YouTube channel of animated shorts. I used your playlist video link right here. This links to yours. Amazing. I, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Kaylee, but I've, we've updated it. So we have like, I think oh, 10 no. new animated shorts at the bottom. One Ooh. actually we just shared with our Patreon. Um, it's this video. Um, what is it called? It's with this cute little puppy. And basically this puppy goes around and he pees in a school and this janitor is like chasing him around. My kids were rolling on the floor laughing they That's thought it was so, so funny. funny and I'm talking like three-year-olds like to like fifth graders like this like animated short can be used with so many different That's kids. why I love them exactly it's just so yeah. great so yeah. yeah we'll definitely link to to that playlist as well because it's just like such a great one I feel like we've I've so definitely curated it over the years and mm -hmm. I'm super excited because all of the new ones there's like a bunch of new ones you'll have to check out the bottom because um, there's a bunch of new okay. ones that are really great other favorites help kids learn that is not free though yeah you gotta pay for it so is it worth paying million dollar question yeah especially Maybe. when you have a user that you just can't find anything that's exciting or motivating mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're awake okay perfect <laughs> that nice. happened to me so they were pretending to be asleep and then we turned on help kids learn and I just, I, I don't even know what I picked. I think I picked the patterns because I had like fun music and wasn't really age specific because yeah. um, this user was older. And I initiated it by clicking um, because we were remoting in. And then they just like woke up and I was like, oh, you want to join us? So it was yeah, funny. Then we like got some engagement. Yeah. Then we, then we got engagement. So love that well, and they've just yeah well sometimes that's the hardest thing is like when kids just like you just pull out like all of your favorite things and fancy games and bells and whistles and kids are just like not having it oh mm -hmm. man that's like so hard I also see that Help Kids Learn has high contrast, which yes. can be really great for kids with cortical visual impairment, yes. um, which not a lot of websites and games and things like that are. So I feel like that in and of itself makes makes it probably worth paying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you need that high contrast. It's amazing. Amazing. Um, speaking of that, there was one more that I didn't include. Ian Bean. Ooh. And then it's free sen ICT. I'm totally butchering that. But they have, Ooh. I mean, they have like touch and scanning and um, wow. all the different access methods. But um, yeah. I forget who shared this. It was on Instagram. And I was like, I forgot about this. this Maybe it was amazing. Kristen. But I usually use the pop music because I have some older iGaze users. And they can pick their favorite singer. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So right? Isn't it fun? Yes. For all of our listeners, I'm looking at basically a grid of <laughs> the funnest music, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, Pink, all of these really awesome pictures. And then I'm guessing when you click on it, it mm -hmm. plays a song. So you click on it uh, and you pick your access method. So 
obviously okay. we're talking about eye gaze, so we want to go to the eye. Oh, perfect. Wow. Oops. Girl, sit your hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes. Um, so sometimes I do this for breaks, just yeah. to like break it up and have some fun. I feel like I would do this with like all my kids. Right? Isn't that fun? <laughs> Not just AAC users. This is like super fun. So, oh, yeah, I love that, this. Is this, is this a free website? Yeah, it's free. Stop all it. Of, yeah, I know. See, I, I've heard of all the ones that you've shared up until now, but I have not Ooh. heard of this one. So, oh, this one's good. I'm and excited. then there's like Fields, Disney. Wow. I did this one the other day. Oh my gosh, this is great. I love that it has like every access modality. That's right? really, really helpful. Touch. You could do that with your eye gaze user. I mean, your wow, your touch users. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading eye gaze, so you can set the dwell speed. That's awesome. And then look, you got that green feedback. Love it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm gonna like. I feel like I'm gonna play around with this right after. after yeah, after it's we get so up. fun for like assessments. Yeah, this is really really great. Well, I told you the whole like genesis of this podcast recording was I'm creating a course on virtual yeah. assessment and like let me tell you this is for sure going in it thank you so much for sharing yeah. okay what else what other tricks you got All right. to trying to think of like the best ones yeah I feel like that one's really great that's one's like my favorite the, the AAC's specific ones you know that are because sometimes there's like you know quirks with some of the other ones and I yeah. just find that sometimes the remote access is not it's just like finicky for whatever yeah. reason it doesn't always even though I'm like this is clickable you have remote control I see it but it just doesn't work for some reason mm -hmm. toy theater have you heard of that I have okay. actually all right yes but hold on is this another one that well I guess if it's clickable like your eye yeah if anything's can, clickable which like in some ways it feels like this has really opened up the world mm -hmm. for eye tracking users because I feel like typically it's like, well, like, you know, limiting, you know, yeah. a lot yeah. of the activities that we choose, but for our eye gaze users, it feels like if it's clickable, which everything on the internet for the most part is clickable, yeah. we're able to do it. So I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, my eye, my eye tracking users probably have more opportunities to interact with my screen and the games than some of my other direct select users, you know? Yeah. Love, love, love. Okay. Last Sound. like final tricks and right. games and tools. Last final tricks. When in doubt, I, I pull up the YouTube videos with music mm -hmm. and then iPad games if they're screen sharing, I can't screen share. Yeah. But I'm finding oh. that generally speaking, I'm doing a lot of sharing on my iPad because there's really motivating games where a, a student can direct your actions essentially through their communication. Yes. I think that was it. I mean, I've configured some of my students' devices to do like, hey, Google, or what do you say to Alexa? Just Alexa? I think it's just Alexa. You can say, <laughs> I don't you, have do one. you have to say, hey, Siri? Yeah. Hey, hey right? Siri. Yeah. Hey, Google. Oops, I just turned mine on. <laughs> That's a really good one for yeah. the family too, if they have yeah. like Alexa or something like that. Um, and kids get really like like a kick out of like asking Alexa or Siri questions. Um, yeah. so it's a really fun one to integrate into your therapy too. Have you seen this one, Crick Web? I have actually. Okay, so it's Crick Web. It's UK based, um, but it's free, which I love. And it's like pre-K to second grade-ish. I'm kind of just guesstimating because they use different like numbers over there for 
for grades, but I really like this because it's clickable. There's choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, I just highlighted the writing one. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Writing nonfiction. So you pick like a robot and you pick a title, you pick a picture, and there's like a field of three. Awesome. So I can see like where their eyes are and then they can build like a little magazine article, which is mm. so fun. That's a really great one for like older students who mm-hmm. are working on more literacy goals. Yeah. I love that. Love. Oh, this is fun with the robots. Right? Yeah. So they can pick a picture and then they pick their text that matches with the, all about the robots. Love it. And it highlights for that visual feedback, great. which I enjoy. Yes. Because then we know what they're choosing. Exactly. Ah, that's amazing. Right? Is that fun? Yes. CrickWeb is definitely um, another really great one. There's so many tools out there, but I'm happy that you've shared some that I haven't heard of. And I know for a fact that all of these ones are really good for supporting language and communication and um, are really either free or inexpensive, which is really nice. Um, and it's just like, who knows what's going to happen in the next year. I'm sure there's yeah. more websites and more resources um, now that we've kind of made a lot of shifts to virtual learning and virtual therapy. So it's really exciting to, to think about what what's headed our way in the future um, as far as accessible games and toys and things like that that we can use virtually. So... I know that when we're doing a lot of virtual stuff, positioning and environment can be a huge thing. So can you just walk us through some of the things that you consider when you're working, especially with an eye tracking user, so that you can have optimal success? Yes. So um, two things we're talking about, calibration and positioning, very key. Um, So when they get their device, let's just say it's delivered to their house for no contact drop off or it's delivered to you then you drop off via no contact um couple things to make note of when you calibrate um you want it to be a dark room you want people who are with them to be standing behind them don't stand in front of them or to the side because it can be really distracting Mm -hmm. um don't cheer them on because then the brain is great but it, if you cheer them on, they'll look, they'll look to the sound. So then you've lost um, an opportunity, so to speak. Mm. And then one thing that's really important is when you pick your symbol or let's just say you want to upload a symbol, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend not doing that. And, and there's like very specific cases where maybe you want you've tried the symbols on the device. Most of them have like smiley faces or circles or stars. They do that for a reason. So let's just say he chose a horse. You're like, well, they love horses. Well, the most like salient feature of the horse is the tail. So now we've got like our eye point on the end and not the middle. So that's just like a big thing that can throw off a lot. Um, with calibration. And just to clarify, so calibration is when you're setting the system so that it accurately catches the eye gaze. Yes. So So without accurate calibration, like it's, it's kind of a mess because it's not tracking exactly where the user is looking. Yes. And then when you're talking about the icon, 
for example, you could upload, um, you know, a motivating, like you gave the example of a horse. Um, you could upload lots of images, but knowing where the focal point of that image mm-hmm. is really important, which is why the smiley face and the circle with the, like the dartboard circle and things like that might be more optimal because you can get a better, truer calibration. Is that yeah. right? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. And okay. And I love all the things that you said about positioning. Um, also, do you have any tricks or strategies for the whole coaching piece um, of parents and then not necessarily either not cheering on or giving them feedback? Because I know a lot of people, like when I posted that on my Instagram um, about assessments and it was like so many people, when parents give the child the answer or tell the child what to do or point or activate it themselves. Um, So is there anything that you found to be successful when you're coaching parents? So I'll usually pre- like send them an email and maybe like, here's some tips. Um, you know, we're going to be really quiet when they do it. Um, I usually use we as like, or like I'll say like, oh, you know, I, ch- I tried that one time. So I'll usually put it back on myself. Like, oh, you know, I did this where I was, co- I was um, cheering them on. And then in a previous student and their eye gaze, it just didn't work well. So let's try that again. Um, Love so it. That I, I've found a lot of success with that using we and then like oh I did this this is yeah. what happened let's try it again so just kind of right being kind light of like with it like throwing yourself under the bus like trust yeah, me yeah. I, I did that wrong before <laughs> and like now I know better <laughs> yeah. really great strategy actually because um, again it's like we never want to make parents feel like they're not no. right or yeah. they don't you know know what they're doing and to feel self-conscious or insecure. And so and with all the equipment, it's yeah sometimes intimidating. Absolutely. Especially for eye tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, just like logging on to zoom is, is challenging sometimes. Yeah. So having to like then log on your students or your child's eye tracking system and give remote access and all of these things probably feels like a lot, but yeah. you know, practice makes perfect. And I do think we have a really unique opportunity to coach communication partners during this time. And yes. as much as it feels like so much work sometimes and frustrating and hard to kind of like troubleshoot, sometimes I feel like I'm like IT support and I'm like, uh-huh. like this is not what I want to be doing. Like I want to be teaching language. But we do have a really unique opportunity here to really coach communication partners and parents especially. Um, And so I try to circle back to that every time. I'm like, oh my God, I can't describe how to program this button one more time. Like I'm going to like freak out. (laughs) I circle back to like, no, Rachel, this is actually part of what we're doing and part of the process. So uh, I think that's important to remember too. Um, and then the last part is positioning. Okay. Um, one thing people, I'll just do like one tip for positioning because mm-hmm. we could talk all day about it. But an example I like to use is I had this student who they were positioning their device in front of them thinking like, okay, we're going to put it in front of you and it's going to be midline. But they were off to the left and looking straight on. So they would have to come back to middle to access, which is like exhausting. So we want to follow our um, user's head and eye gaze, um, whether it's up, tilted, and you need a floor mount, it makes it worth it. Because eye tracking and eye gaze, it's hard enough. So we don't want to like add to the exhaustion. 
I completely agree. I actually was working with a student um, doing a consult and I was working alongside of another AAC specialist. So it was like, you never want to like step on toes or like do anything. You're like, oh, like, I wonder if we could do this. Um, But this student was, the the device was positioned um, so that he had to turn his head significantly in order to activate it. Um, So he actually was pretty central with like his head. It was pretty stable. Um, So they had the device off to one side um, and the rationale was we want to make sure he's intentional with his his you know selections and I'm like well no he's intentional if he like dwells long enough on you know the icon or the button or whatever and it was hard it was hard for him to like constantly have to move his head in order to access the screen Um, and so that's a perfect example of how you know really getting the positioning right is huge Um, and it's eye tracking is really hard like I I am sure you Kaylee have tried it I've definitely tried it for myself and it's like oh my gosh like my poor little eyes like they get so tired. Um, and so it's just exhausting for our clients. And so just being cognizant of that. Um, and also sometimes it's really hard to have volitional control over our head. Um, so there's lots of different things that come to play. Um, but positioning can make, can make or break eye tracking in a lot of ways. Anything else you got for me? I, we, we did it. Got it. You've we did got it. it all. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kaylee, for coming on and sharing all of your, your tools and strategies with us. I really appreciate you taking the time to share. A lot of people are feeling overwhelmed with yeah. telepractice in general, and then add on top of it, AAC and telepractice, and then add on top of it, eye tracking, AAC and telepractice. So I know for a fact that our listeners are going to be so grateful for these tips um, and these strategies that they can use in their practice. So definitely go follow Kaylee. We'll link to her Instagram on the show notes because I know that you share oftentimes some strategies and things like that on your social media. Um, They're super helpful. So for Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Madel, joined by Kaylee. Thank you so much for listening, you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.